We've spent the past four weeks taking our time and unpacking Christmas, looking at the story. Rather than rush right into the middle of the story and look at the baby in the manger and the shepherds and the angels and all of those other exciting things, we, we took our time and we visited the long preparation that God had to prepare His people to receive His Son. We looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth, these two wonderful older saints who had received the promise of a son, that they would receive a, a son, and they would call him John, and he would grow up to be John the Baptist. He would be the one that would herald the, the coming of the Messiah. We looked at Mary and the announcement of the angel to her about what she would receive. And as we looked at their faith, we looked at the questions that they had of God and the response they had to His call, I hope we've seen something of our own faith and of God's call on us as we've unpacked Christmas. But the time has come to pack it all back up again and to put it away and prepare for a new year. I am not one to delay un or packing Christmas back up. I am one to delay unpacking it. One year, I put the tree up on Christmas Eve because I just hadn't got around to it and I took the tree down Christmas night. <laughs> it doesn't pay at our house to delay putting away pretty things and nice things because they, they tend to get destroyed. And, and so I'm not one to delays. So last night I started taking the tree down and I took the lights off and took off the decorations and saw what was left after some of them had been slightly eaten uh, and uh, mangled a bit. But you know, it, it never fails. I will pack Christmas back up and I'll forget something. One year I forgot the wreath on the door. Uh, one year I forgot a little nativity set that was left out for a while. And last year, last year we had one decoration that it just disappeared. And we found it, I think around June or July, underneath Connor's couch. How on earth that happened? I don't know. But, but there it was, kind of hiding from us, but still out for a whole year. Uh, this one decoration that remained. And, and, and in the same way, something of Christmas will remain with us. Something of the story remains with us in our hearts. It impacts us. We never really put it all away. Instead, it, it matures and it develops and it continues to draw us in, in with deeper commitment and greater dedication. You see that in the story here in the Bible also. Because after the manger and, and after the shepherds and the angels, we still have Mary and Joseph now with a new baby in their family. And we see them as they dedicate their son Jesus to God. And in the same way, we dedicate ourselves to their son. We dedicate ourselves to Christ. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2 today. Verses 21-38. through 38. Again, in those Bibles pews in front of you, it is page 857. Uh, and it's a somewhat of a familiar story as we continue looking at the events of the, of the Christmas story. I just want to begin in verse 21 of Luke chapter 2. Luke simply states, at the end of eight days when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived. Before he was conceived in the womb. The world changed after the birth of Jesus. But the first place it changed was in this family. This little family, taking their little boy home, then taking him to the temple to dedicate him. 
This is part of the Christmas story also, and it needs to be part of our story as well, because just as they dedicated their son Jesus to God, we dedicate ourselves to Christ in us, and that changes our story. And in our dedication to Christ, our world is changed. And that's, that's really the point, that our world would be changed, that our community would be changed, that our church would be changed, and that our lives would be changed. That's what we focused on all through 2015 as we had those three words up here. Gather, grow, and serve. Three very simple words, but when they're lived out, they have the power to change lives. They have the power to change communities. They have the power to change our world. And so here in the story of Mary and Joseph dedicating their son, we see that same desire. The same desire for the world to be changed and for our world to be changed. And that happens when we, just like they in the story, when we are obedient to God's call. Luke does kind of a Reader's Digest version of uh, these events here. He kind of condenses them for us. What we have taking place in this passage are three different ceremonies that would have taken place at least over the course of two different months. When Jesus was eight days old, He was circumcised. That's a ceremony that all Jewish males went through. Circumcision symbolized that you belong to the community now. You're not alone. You're a part of something bigger. You're part of something bigger than yourself, bigger than just your family. You are part of all of us. That You are part of the community. And in that respect, it's kind of similar to what we do in baptism. Baptism signifies our connection to Christ, but it also signifies our connection to the community of those who are baptized. Jesus said in Matthew Chapter 28, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. Make disciples, people who are going to follow me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so in baptism, we see that connection to the, the bigger community that we are connecting to, to everyone. Uh, just like Mary and Joseph, we've been obedient to that call. You know, Back in 2014, we had 10 baptisms. And that was just kind of incredible that we had 10, 10 baptisms over the course of that year. And people asked me at the end of the year, they said, do you think we'll have 10 baptisms in 2015? And I said, nah, there's no way we're going to have another 10 baptisms this year. We had 13 baptisms in 2015, 13 of them. And one of the beautiful things about the baptisms this year, we baptized people who are parts of other churches here. We baptized people from churches in, in, in different places because they saw the importance of it and they came to us looking for help and understanding what this baptism thing is all about and, and wanting to make that commitment. We had some incredible experiences. We had some wonderful baptisms. Where mothers and daughters got to share those experiences and fathers got to baptize their kids. We had some amazing transfers here. And we saw the, the growth of the community and we saw that commitment. Circumcision is just one part though of of Jesus' dedication in this story. 41 days after He was born, He was taken to the temple again. And this was a ceremony for the mother's purification. After, after the mother had given birth, that she had to go through a, a ceremony of, of purification. Luke goes on in verse 22, and he says, "...and when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought Him up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord..." Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. 
kind of makes you think of the 12 days of Christmas at that point, doesn't it, with the turtle doves. You learn volumes about this family right there in that verse. You learn an awful lot about this little family. What you learn about this family in that verse, these people are poor. These people don't have much. You know what the, what the law actually says in that passage? in Leviticus, He's quoting from Leviticus 12, verse 6. And what it actually says is, "...and when the days of her purification are complete, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest at the entrance of the tent of meeting a lamb, a year old, for a burnt offering, and a pigeon or a turtle dove for a sin offering." Luke doesn't mention a lamb. Where's the lamb? Did Luke forget the lamb? Did they forget the lamb? Did they not stop by the lamb store and pick up a lamb? What, what's the deal? Why is there no lamb here? In, uh, in verse 8 of Leviticus 12, it goes on. And it says, if she cannot afford a lamb, then she shall take two turtle doves or two pigeons. You see, God's law had provisions for the poor. When we think about the law, when we read that, those passages in Leviticus, and we read about the Old Testament law, and we go through Exodus, it often just seems really unyielding to us and very strict. But in His mercy, in His grace, God made allowances for those who were poor. He had made allowances for those who had very little. No one in the community was to be considered in unclean or impure because they didn't have anything to give. And that's very important for us to understand. No one, no one should ever feel disqualified from God's grace. No one should ever feel like they don't belong because they don't have much. This isn't a country club. This isn't a country club with dues and fees. This is a church. This is a place of grace. This is a place of hope where everyone is valuable, where everyone has something to share, where everyone can experience God's grace and know His grace. That's part of the dedication that we see here. That everyone is welcome. That everyone can come and, and be a part. And that's part of our dedication as we give ourselves, our lives to Christ. Just like in this story, when we do that, we can live with expectation. We live with expectation of God's working in our lives and, and in our world. So Luke, Luke condenses these events into just a few passages. There's circumcision, then there's the purification, and there's one other ceremony here in the, in the midst of all of this, and that is the ceremony of dedication of Jesus to God. It says in verse 22, when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought Him up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. If you remember from the Old Testament in a passage we looked at several weeks ago when we talked about prayer, we had the passage where Hannah prays for a son and she has this son Samuel way back in 1 Samuel. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, Hannah brings Samuel back to the temple and she dedicates him to the Lord. That's the ceremony that Mary and Joseph are taking through at this point to dedicate him to the Lord. The firstborn child was to be dedicated, was to be consecrated. The firstborn child was seen as a gift from God and that gift had to be redeemed. You had to give that back to God. And so it was a recognition that God had blessed them with this child and this child belongs to Him. Now it's at this point in the story that we meet some colorful local characters. Uh, and it starts out with a man named Simeon. Take a look at verse 25. Luke writes, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, 
waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon comes into the picture and he has some very particular ideas about who the Messiah will be. He refers to him in verse 25 as the consolation of Israel. I always thought that was an interesting phrase. It kind of sounds like Jesus is your consolation prize. You know, we, we have this prize for you. You, know, you. you receive the consolation of Israel. It's not quite what it means. That word consolation, it means that... Uh, this is fun. The word consolation means that he was to console God's people. That he was the consolation of God's people. He was the, he was the exact thing that God's people needed. He was the fulfillment of all of God's promises. Later on in the Gospel of John, Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the comforter or the counselor or the consoler. And it's the same term that that Simeon uses to refer to Jesus, that He is the one that will console His people. God continues to fulfill that promise to console us through His Holy Spirit, to comfort us. But it's more than just God's promise to His people. Simeon goes on. He says in verse 30, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all people. Not just of Israel. Not just of, of God's people. But of all people. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. To those who are outside of God's nation. To those who are outside of God's covenant. Who are outside of God's people. Simeon saw that Jesus would be a light to those on the outside. That they would know something new. They would see something new. That through Him, there would be light. God would be visible because of Jesus. God would be seen clearly. God would be understood. God would be known through Jesus. In John chapter 14, Jesus is having a discussion with His disciples around the table in the upper room, which is why we come to this table today. And, and Jesus is having this discussion and Philip says to Him, Lord, just show us the Father. <laughs> just show us God and we'll be happy. You know, Just show us the Father and, and that will be enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long that you still don't know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If we are Christians, if we are Christ's people, if Christ dwells in us, as the Bible says it does, then people ought to see something of God through us. Maybe we don't think about that too often. Or maybe in our humility or in our understanding of our own sin, we think, well, that's, that's not me. They're not going to see anything of God in me. Maybe that's the way we, we look at it. But the reality is they should see something of God in us. We ought to bring Christ into light into people's lives through the way we love, through the way we care for other people, through the way we give, through our own comfort, through our own consoling of others, our own caring and our giving, 
through our generosity, they, the way we bless other people, they should see something of who God is and what He is like. And when they do, when people see God at work, that's when they want to tell His story. That's when they want to talk about what God is doing. This is where we meet another colorful character. Her name is Anna. and She always reminded me of another Anna that I knew. Anna is a prophetess. A prophetess. That means she's a preacher. Don't tell her she can't do that because Anna's going to do it anyway. Anna is a prophetess. She's a proclaimer. She, she preaches. <laughs> and we meet her in verse 36. Verse 36 says, There was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. That means that she could trace her lineage all the way back. All the way back to Abraham. She knew who she was. She could, she could trace her lineage all the way back. She was a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Israel. How old is this lady? Well, back then they used to marry when they were about 14 years old. I have a 14-year-old daughter. <laughs> I don't understand that. But they married when they were about 14. It says that she stayed with her husband and then was widowed after, after seven years of marriage. And then she had been a widow until she was 84. At, the, at that point, you know, widows were taken care of by their families, by the community. You took care of the widows. You know, that was just part of it. But at the age of 84, Anna moved into the temple and lived in one of the rooms. She would have lived in one of the rooms around the side of the temple. And she dedicated herself to God. She had given herself to service in the temple. She had a room and she was taken care of there in the temple. <clears throat> and this lady, who is likely right around... She's right about 100 years old. Just right in that area. She's somewhere around 100 years old at this time. Can you imagine? Some of you can because you're really close to that age. But can you imagine? 100 years old? And she's not taking it easy. She's not sitting back and saying, it's somebody else's turn to serve. It's somebody else's turn to do it. At 100 years old, she's still working. She's still serving. She's not saying, I'm too old. I'm too old to pray. I'm too old to serve. I'm too old to help. She's serving. She's praying. A hundred years old, she's fasting. She's going without food and committing herself to prayer. And when she encounters Jesus, this hundred-year-old lady meets this one-month-old baby. <laughs> Forty-one days old. She recognizes that this is the Messiah. That this is the one that we've been waiting for. And what does she do? Verse 38 says, and coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. She starts telling His story. <coughs> she tells everyone the story. She starts spreading the news that God is doing something new. Now Luke doesn't tell us what exactly she said. That would be cool if he did. But Luke doesn't tell us what she said, but he, he records what she did. She told People. She made everyone aware that God was doing something special through this child, that God was doing something new. 
Our goal needs to be that we make people aware that God is doing something new in their lives, in our lives, in the life of this church, in the life of this community. Our goal is to make everyone aware that God is doing something special. That lives are being changed. That needs are being met. That the hopeless are finding hope. That the helpless are finding help. Simeon said that he would be a light to the Gentiles. That even those outside would see something new. That they would see that God was doing something. We need to shine that kind of light in Kansas. We need to shine that kind of light in our community so that people can see who Jesus is and what He's doing so they can see that God is active here. That's one of our responsibilities as a church. We have to find ways of doing that. We have to find ways of of creating those opportunities. Not just to help people. Not just to tell them about Jesus, but to let them see Him alive and at work. Active through our love, through our caring, through through our generosity so that they will have stories to tell about what Jesus did for them. Stories of His goodness. Stories that bring light into our world. So to do that, let me tell you about this bucket. Can everyone see the bucket? Back in March... I went to, uh, to visit a church for a conference. I went to Indianapolis. And I visited a church over there. It's Indian Creek Christian Church. They call themselves the Creek. And Indian Creek Christian Church is a big church. It runs about 3,000 people on the weekends. And I was sitting there at this conference, and they had a bucket just like this one uh, up front. In fact, they had about eight of them. They, they lined their stage with these buckets. They were every few feet, there was another bucket. And I was sitting next to the preacher, Gary, and I said, Gary, tell me about the buckets. What's, what's up with the buckets that you got up there? And he says, every week, every week, everybody who attends church here, everybody brings $1 every week. $1. And now this is in addition to the regular offering, by the way. Okay? I don't think you're going to get off easy. But, you know, everybody brings a dollar every week, and they put the dollar in the bucket. And everybody, you know, adults will come with... with Dollars for their kids, so every kid gets a dollar. You know, he told the story about how one kid didn't, his friend didn't have a dollar, so he ripped his dollar in half and gave half of it to his buddy, so his buddy would have something to put in the bucket. But every week, everybody puts a dollar in that bucket, and then they find a need in the community. They have a team of some wonderful, godly people, very caring people, and they find a need in that community, and they meet those needs with the money that goes in the bucket. And he started telling me stories about what they had done, you know, how they had taken care of rent for one for a home. Uh, they taken care of rent for a, a single mom that she, they paid her rent for her one month so that she would have some time to get a few other things taken care of. They told about how one family had had a very difficult childbirth, and so they were able to to take care of some bills and take care of some things for that family. Um, he told about one man who had fallen away from his faith and come on some really difficult times. And they took care of some needs that that guy had. And not only did he come back to faith, but when his family found out what this church did for him, they came back to faith. That the entire family had started coming to church because they helped one man. They helped out a a man who'd had a traumatic brain injury. They were able to, to help him with some of his needs. Now Gary told me all about that in March. And my reaction, and I tell you this to my shame, 
my reaction was to think, wow, I wish we were a big church so that we could help people. That's what I thought in March. Around October or so, the thought hit me, you know, I bet a hundred bucks would make somebody happy. <laughs> I bet if we all gave a dollar and, you know, we're running about 115, I think is what our average is right now. I bet $115 a week could help somebody. I bet if we pooled that for a month and had close to $500, I bet we could take care of a lot of people's needs in our community. And so we've decided for 2016, we're going to try the generous bucket. We're going to bring, does that sound okay? Everybody all right with that? We're going to bring a dollar every week. We've got a team of some wonderful godly people who are going to help us find some important needs in our community. And more than just meet needs, we're going to help people have stories about what God has done for them through His people. That, people have, that those needs have been met. That, that lives have been changed. That through our generosity, through learning to be generous, through learning to give just a little bit more, we're going to help out some people. And we're going to make some amazing stories. stories that, that God is alive, that God is active, that God is doing something here, that God's doing something through this church, that, 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 that lives are being changed. Jesus said in, in the Sermon on the Mount, He said, let your light shine for others so that they can see your good deeds and so that they will praise your Father in heaven. That's the ultimate goal, that people would praise our Father in heaven. 2016, we're going to change lives. We're going to create some amazing stories. And one of the stories is going to be about you and me and how we learned to be generous and how we learned to give so that someone else could see God at work in their lives. We're going to sing a song here in a moment. And it's a song that we've sung for years. It's a song that most of you know by heart. Amazing grace. We've sung that for years, but now we sing it at times with a new chorus. That chorus says, my chains are gone, I've been set free. And that's a wonderful chorus to sing. But there are some people in our community who are still in chains. There are some people in our community who are still feeling trapped, who feel anything but free. What if we can help them sing a new song? What if we can help them tell a new story of God's amazing grace and sing a song of the freedom that they found in Him. Let's stand together while we sing.